0: From Electrical, Florida, I'm Amrita Keli.
1: I'm Krishna Kishore. And I'm Namamrita. Welcome to Nectar Talks, from the heart of New Raman Refi, the largest Hare Krishna community in North America,
2: and the home of thousands of Bhakti Yoga practitioners. In our ongoing series of live interviews, we explore a range of spiritual topics, introducing you to inspirational community members and guest speakers with diverse backgrounds and
1: experience. Like bees searching for nectar, We seek to extract pearls of wisdom from how they live their lives and the spiritual lessons they can impart to us and our listeners.
2: If you're seeking nectar, look no further.
1: All right, let's get started. Welcome back to another installment of Nectar Talks. Today I have Sharanagadi who is um, a resident of Nuraman Reiti. Um, At least from what I understand, she grew up here and now she's back here. So we'll find out all about that. Um, I believe uh, she spent some time in the ashram here and eventually decided to become a model and uh, spend a good amount of years outside of uh, temple life and uh, the community here. And uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing all the adventures that Shara's had out there, um, I know that Shara loves gardening i 've attended some of the uh, the meetings that she 's put together, and um, welcome back to Alachua, Shara. How are you?
2: Thank you. <laughs> well, it is really wonderful to be back in Alachua um, you know give maybe 10, 15 years ago, I would have said, no, you know, I can't go back to Alachua. It's too small. I want to be in the cities and yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't last very long. You you know, you could do it for about 10 years and then you're like, oh man, I miss all my devotee friends. Life Mm -hmm. was so simple there. You start actually wanting that simplicity back rather than all the craziness that you think you crave when you're younger.
1: Right. So, right. Yeah,
2: it's really nice so to be back.
1: I totally get it. You know, when you say that, I kind of imagine like a boomerang, you know, you just left with all this power and energy to go experience the world. And it seems like you came back just as strong.
2: Yeah, you come roaring back in. Everyone's like, oh, you're back. And I'm like, yeah, what do you expect? Everybody comes back to Alachua. I
1: know. Someone once told me, you'll be moving here one day. And I was like, what? And sure enough, here yeah. I am
2: i've heard that from multiple people
1: yeah i
2: couldn't stay away yeah
1: the true testament to uh the devotees that are here
2: yeah and you come back and it's like uh you know everything for the most part is where it left off all your friendships it's it's wonderful i think uh that's that's something that maybe sometimes we take for granted but we're very lucky that way
1: yeah definitely yeah so i'm really looking forward to hearing about kind of the different phases you went through in your life since growing up here and eventually coming back. And especially, I'm also curious to hear about how your personal journey in Krishna consciousness evolved through all of that. So maybe we can start with a little bit about your upbringing and what it was like growing up here. And then we'll go into um, how you eventually got launched in your career and all that.
2: Sure. Um, I actually, uh, I, I was in Detroit until about the age of 10. I moved to Alachua when I was 10 okay.
0: um,
2: and that, that was uh, 95. I'm dating myself here, but that was 95. Mm-hmm. And uh, but even in Detroit, uh, you know, I lived across the street from my best devotee friend, uh, Gopal, who I'm sure a lot of you guys know, Gopal Trivedi. He lived right across the street. I went to Gurukul there. Mm -hmm. uh with a bunch of other younger kids it was only like 11 of us but you know all my memories of detroit were amazing as well we ran around the fisher mansion that was like a wonderful magical playground for us when we were little
0: yeah
2: and then um moved to alachua right before the 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 temple now was built so i remember uh, getting there and Puja was still in the trailer that was on the temple property right yeah and yeah. Um, uh, Jaya and Priya were my first friends nice. and um, yeah and just you know watching the community grow into what it's become has been I mean just amazing
0: yeah it really
2: has yeah I went to um, I went to the day school mm-hmm with Mother Sukara. Mother Sukra was our teacher. And then I went from there to Lakshimoni's ashram for three mm. years. I had a wonderful time at Lakshimoni's ashram. Um, one of my favorite memories ever, ever of my childhood is going to India with them. Nice. Um, yeah, it was just mind blowing. Like the adventure. How, how long was
1: right that there? trip?
2: Um, I want to say it was probably about two months. We were gone. We were gone for a while. Yeah, we did a lot of we we, it wasn't just Mayapur and Vrindavan, like we went to all these different holy places and um, all these different cities and Jagannath Puri
1: and we
2: really did the works. And that was the first time i had been there. So it was mind blowing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I experienced my first time growing up in Krishna consciousness, but only knowing it from the West. And then it's like, you're going to the motherland. You know? Right.
0: This yeah. is where it
1: happens. And you're right. like, oh, uh. yeah, it's an yeah. amazing experience.
2: Yeah. And when you're a young devotee in Krishna consciousness, all this stuff that you hear, you're actually like this, you know, Vrindavan, this is where Krishna lived. It's, yeah. You know, you start putting, or these are the the actual shoes of, you know, some saintly person. And it's it's just awesome to be able to yeah. connect those.
1: How would you describe, um, you know, we'll take a first, um, picture of your, your inner journey at that time when you're, um, uh, you know, going to the ashram and you're going in India for the first time, how would you describe your experience, your view of Krishna consciousness and spirituality at that time?
0: Um,
2: <laughs> looking back, I'm like, from, from, from the realizations I've had till now, you know, I'm like, wow, I really, I, I don't think I realized how lucky I was then, you know, this is something, well, all my friends are devotees and we, yeah, we just don't, we follow these four regulated principles and they're super easy and all our friends follow them. So, you know, just, n- uh, not full of, pre- but, you know, that's to be expected when you're younger. But it's, yeah, it was just kind of a, it was a wonderful childhood, but I think I didn't really know why it was so wonderful Mm -hmm. until I got a little bit older. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, eventually, and tell me if I'm jumping too far ahead, um, you know, you, you ended up moving and starting a career as a model, uh, were there any other significant milestones prior to that or, and how, how did that come about eventually?
2: Um, I went to, so I went to Santa Fe Community College, and I really oh. loved it there. And then I went to University of Florida. And uh, after I finished my two years at Santa Fe, and I was like, this is madness, the, the sizes of the classrooms, and I just wasn't used to that, like all the all the experience, and even Santa Fe, it was small classrooms with a lot of, you know, teacher, student uh,
1: relationships
2: that made it fun and easy to learn. And at UF, I just didn't feel inspired at all. (laughs) So I I took a
1: study at the time at UF.
2: Um, I was, I was in there for English. I was an English major. Okay. Um, that was, I didn't know what I wanted to do with that, but I know that I really loved writing and uh, reading and writing really loved writing fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then I felt, started feeling a little lost at UF. Um, And so I took a break and I was there. (laughs) My mom still doesn't let me forget this because I was there on a scholarship. (laughs) So to this day, she's like, oh, that seven year scholarship. And I'm like, I know, I'm so sorry, Mata. Right.
1: (laughs) You know how many people would die for that?
2: (laughs) Uh, Exactly. You know, you get that little guilt trip and yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I took a, I took some time off and I went and I was working actually at Krishna.com. Okay. So I was working there for a year, loved working there. I mean, we had, uh, Pani Prabhu yeah, and his wife, Loka Shakshini I got to work yeah. with them and Ija Prabhu. And I mean, that's the best, you know, kind of job you can have is working with devotees and.
1: Krishna.com, yeah. I I used to come visit from Savannah where I lived, and that was just the spot to go to. I right. loved driving down that dirt road and going to that that double wide and just checking out, At you know, the who's the there hall. and <laughs> what's hanging on the walls, what's for sale. Yeah, yeah, that was a great place to hang out, actually.
2: Yeah, it was. And you really could go in and just kind of talk to people and you yeah. know, Nagaraj and Yamaraj Kuru were in the other room where you know
1: doing BTG, BTG over there. And-
2: We always try to get Yamaraj Prabhu to, to start laughing. And (laughs) (laughs) it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I have such good memories there. And um, yeah. So transitioning out of Alachua. Um,
1: Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about, yeah. What was the springboard? You know, it was, was it the, the college experience that just wasn't doing it for you and you wanted to find a different career way of life or was it
2: yeah i think i was one of those um i had it a, like a, growing up i was always like the tallest kid <laughs> tallest mm. girl even even at a younger age and you know you know how you get those people that are like oh your daughter's so beautiful she should be a model and wow. it, like you know when you're younger you're like oh wow well maybe i can do that <laughs> mm. so i had that some of that was going on and then my roommate, uh, Jivana, Jivana Wilhite, she she uh, she did, we lived together. She was my roommate. And we actually worked together at Christian.com. And she took the, all the stock photos.
1: I was to saying, she's known for always having a camera in her hand. Exactly. <laughs> she takes great yep. photos.
2: She takes great photos. She's very artistic. Yeah. So we just made a trip to St. Augustine at one point with a bunch of our friends and we, we snuck off at one point and uh, did our own little photo shoot away from everybody else just for fun. And I ended up, I sent, sent those pictures in later to a couple of agencies in Miami and uh, Ford Models was like, hey, we like your look, come down and see us. And so that was kind of the beginning of then. <laughs> so I, I, I went down uh, with my mom and, sorry,
1: sorry, I was muted there.
2: Oh, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, <laughs> anything, you weren't I was, I was saying anything, say, were you? <laughs> no, no. Miami is a big recruiting ground for, for modeling, isn't it?
2: It is. I mean, most of those, you know, New York, uh, you can get, re- it's a little harder actually, but LA, Chicago, right. Miami, yeah. New okay. York is like, they do it, but you usually go there when you're a little established already.
1: Right. By the way, I'm very interested in, with all our guests, you know, when we um, get to learn about a particular career, I think it's a great, great um, place to dive into. So I'll be asking you questions about that.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, I know a lot of people are like, oh, what's it like? And right. yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so you sent yeah, these so, photos to the agencies in Miami.
2: Yeah. And Ford Models said, you know, come down. Uh, so my mom and I went down and um,
1: how'd your mom I, feel about this?
2: Uh, my mom was all for it. She was, she was like, Oh, that's, you know, I'm sure as a parent, there's a certain amount of pride there. <laughs> when a <Yeah. laughs> modeling agency recruits your kid, you're going to be right. like, oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. <laughs> my dad was a little skeptical, you know, mm. as, uh, I don't blame him, you know, I'm the only child, by the way, yeah. no siblings little girl so he said oh no you know she's got to be safe i don't right. want to get exploited you know and sure. perfectly valid worries perfectly yeah. valid yeah. um so i actually moved down there a week later i talked to tom Rippani, and he's like you know what go for it you got this opportunity and he was so kind about it i never forgot that because you know i was like kind of timid bringing it up like Hey, I had this opportunity.
1: Cuz he was he was a boss at krishna.com.
2: He was my boss at krishna.com, right. yeah. yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, oh no, I have to tell him that I kind of want to move away, but yeah. he was so nice about it. There's you know really lovely people there. Yeah. Um yeah, so I moved down there a week later.
1: So you moved to Miami.
2: I moved to Miami. Yeah. I rented a, the agencies there, they had a couple of model apartments in which they uh, charged stupid amounts of money <laughs> for the models which you hopefully paid back when you made jobs you know got jobs so yeah it kind of started there and i was i was acclimating um
1: what what were the people that you met you know whether it's the agency or other models what was the atmosphere like
2: uh, the, uh, the agency, the agency was the, the uh, the agents were really nice. Um, I did get stuck with a kind of crazy model roommate. Uh, she had some pretty interesting issues. Um, and just Miami beach in itself is looking back. I'm like, I don't know how I, you know, I kind of didn't survive there, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. But it's it's kind of gross. Miami Beach is kind of gross Yeah. Um, unless you go there with the right association. But I guess you could say that about anywhere. Right. Like, <laughs> right. yeah. Um,
1: yeah. All right. So how long was your entire modeling career? Just to give us a little bit of a time frame from when you left and joined in Miami there for the first time, what? you know, are you still a model today? Do you still do?
2: <laughs> I just got a residual check coming in from something I did years ago. So <laughs> if that counts. But no, I'm not actively modeling okay. today. So, so. Ha-
1: so how long was that modeling career? Altogether?
2: Uh, okay, I want to say maybe 15 years.
1: Okay, wow.
2: Something something like that. Yeah.
1: And um, is there a kind of like a standard average of how long models work for?
2: Um, I should know that. Uh, I don't. Um, I will say that usually once you start getting older, there becomes less room for you because it, it is all about. I mean, t- talk about <laughs> talk about going from, you know, growing up in Krishna consciousness to, hey, you're your body. Right. <laughs> you know, Like you can't yeah, big get
0: more opposite. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And that was I didn't think about that till later. And I was like, geez, the opposite of everything I've ever been taught is right. what I put myself in the middle of. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once oh. you start getting older, they start, you know, being like, oh, you know, you're, you're getting a little old for this as nicely as possible.
1: Right. Right. Um, trying to frame the discussion here so that we can really get the most out of it. Um, how, how did you come to terms with this idea of, um, you know, you, are growing up, we're not the body. And then you're in a career that's completely focused on that. Tell us a little bit more about the, uh, the details of that experience. You know, did you come to terms with, you know, this is my job. And at the same time, um, did you have any negative experiences with people mm-hmm. telling you, you need to look like this and things like that?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. Whew. <laughs> that's a lot to cover. I, 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 um, I did have those experiences of, you know, I was young. So a lot of that, I, I did I mean, I, you know, it's always hard to think I'm not this body. We struggle with that all the time. But when, when I was younger, it was definitely easy to slip into that frame of mind, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, well, I get paid for this. You know, people judge me on how I look.
0: Right.
2: And so it's, you almost don't even think twice about it. You are, you know, for that, for that industry, you are your body. Right. <laughs> That's your job is that you're your body. Um, and yeah, I did have, you know, oh, you, you need to lose a little bit of weight um, to Ford's credit in the beginning. Um, I actually went in with an eating disorder so stuff started early uh to mm-hmm. their credit they they pulled me aside twice and they're like you look a little sick you need mm-hmm. to gain some weight mm-hmm. and that was actually I was like whoa I didn't even know that th- I didn't know that they do that but you mm-hmm. know it is because clients are like she looks like she's about to keel over let's not work wow. with her <laughs> so but I've been all over like at, during the, the 12 to 15 years whatever the run was it's you know I. Gone through the ups and the downs and the weight gains and the weight losses and the, the roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: where did you go from Miami? And what did the model modeling journey look like as far as your progression inside the industry? And you know, how much travel was involved? And give us a little bit more of an insight, you know, zooming out and looking back at your career, what are all the the big parts of it for someone who doesn't know anything about it.
2: Sure. Um, well, Miami, I was, I, you know, I did pretty well in the beginning and then I feel like my, uh, my, the fits and starts coincided with me being like smoking cigarettes for the first time and then getting into drinking slowly because mm-hmm. I didn't have any devotee association there. It was all, it was all models.
0: Right.
2: You know, they, they, um they have what they call <laughs> club promoters that get paid to bring out groups of beautiful girls. And in return, all the girls drink for free and, you know, get into these clubs ahead of the line and you feel special and, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, it's so silly, but You know, when you're young and impressionable, you're like, wow, this is what I, this is what celebrities get to do. And so you get sucked in really Mm -hmm. easily. And so uh, to my credit, I think I spent the first year there, no cigarettes and no alcohol. Mm -hmm. I think definitely no alcohol. And then, you know, and then I started dabbling with that, with that association. And I started dabbling and we, I mean... I heard this so much growing up, you know, association is so important. Good association is so important. Didn't realize it till later when I looked back and I was like, oh man, it coincided with the people that I was spending time with. I was my association.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um give us a little bit more about, okay, so models party, they get in for free. <laughs> they get drinks for free.
2: It sounds great. <laughs> On paper, it sounds good.
1: Yeah. Well yeah, you paid for it somehow, I'm sure. Um well and we'll probably get into that. But just a little bit more about the career itself. Um, you know, what's it like to um, you know, what's the nine to five like of a model? You you have a portfolio, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, How much traveling is is involved and all that. Sure.
2: So it looks a little bit different for everybody. You know, some people do better, some people stick mainly to one city and just really work the market there. Um, in the beginning, we do uh, test shoots, which is basically you're getting your book started because you're new, you don't have any pictures. So you do a couple of test shoots and those can cost, uh, quite a bit of money, but it also, if you have a good agency, it goes kind of on your tab that they take that money out of your jobs that you get later. So you have, you get a couple, you know, two test shoots and then you start going on casting calls. A lot of times, uh, those casting calls are really uh, swamped with people, unless you have a request casting call. And that's just you and a couple other people they want to see. But for general casting calls, we we call them cattle calls because there's just like a whole bunch of people, and you wait in line, and you wait, and you sit, and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, if you book a job, that's great. Some clients are great. To work with and they're super easy and you get along with them and you have a great day and then some can be really hard um um and and maybe a little more cold or you know just you feel a little more like a thing than a person yeah yeah surprisingly for the most part um i worked with really nice
1: people mm-hmm.
2: you know i worked with really nice people i got lucky
1: yeah And what are some of the, um, you know, I guess product lines that you shot for it? Was it, uh, you know, department stores or, you know, what's the variety of, um, projects that you worked on?
2: Sure. I, uh, I worked for department stores. I did JC Penney and Belks and, um, I did a Walmart Christmas shoot at some point. Um, uh, what are some of the ones I did? Wow, of course, now so I'm blanking.
1: Mostly clothing, I guess, is the the majority, would you say? Yeah,
2: mostly clothing. When I first started, I did some runway. But runway, uh, even though that seems like the most glamorous, it doesn't pay very oh. much. It's more like the um, same thing with being in magazines, like high fashion magazines. Like a, a Vogue m- might pay nothing, but you're like, oh, I got a picture in Vogue. You know, it's more... They can do that because people want it so bad.
1: Right, right. Yeah.
2: But commercial work, that's where 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 you smile a lot, where you're shooting right. for department stores or catalogs, right. that's where the money is. Okay. They want to see that smile. And oh, the people can relate to her when they look at her picture. Right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but I've covered, I did a bunch of it, mostly commercial work, which I'm really lucky for, actually. Yeah.
1: Cool, yeah, well, thanks for, uh, for sharing a little bit about what that uh, looks like from the inside. Um...
2: Yeah, I would like to say real quick that the industry itself, if you treat it as a business, it can be really great. The problem is there's, there's a lot of this stuff uh, waiting on the outside mm-hmm. that's really enticing, like the clubbing and everybody wants the pretty people, the models out. So the business itself is a business. It's everything that's on the outskirts, that's yeah, a little that more evil.
1: Sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Would you would you recommend this career to uh, to a younger a younger person like you?
2: No. <laughs>
1: no. <laughs>
2: no. Um, especially, I feel like if someone is is pretty intelligent, they they wouldn't get very much satisfaction out of it. Uh, a lot of my time spent doing it, the The paychecks were great. But a lot of it was like, oh, my God, this is really shallow. You know, a lot right. of small talk about right. nothing. And it's yeah. very draining doing that. Yeah. yeah.
1: All right. So second snapshot at your Krishna consciousness. You're in the middle of your yes. modeling career. And uh, what was your experience of KC at that time?
2: Oh, man, I just kind of. I, I can say I, I went off the deep end for a bit. I did. I went,
1: uh, that, and that I mean, that. I mean, internally, I'm not talking what practice like, yeah, sure. just internally, you know what, how did you live your Krishna consciousness internally at that time? Cause I know I, you know,
0: was, I <laughs> was in
1: college and I was in the middle of a dance club and I'm just chanting Hare Krishna thinking, what am I doing here? You know? mm. <laughs> so,
2: I had those moments. Yeah, I had those moments later. I think when um, my Krishna consciousness that was very dormant mm-hmm. was just kind of like waiting to reappear, but I, right. I wasn't I wasn't too active about it until later when I was in real distress, and that's when you know a lot of times that's when people turn to Krishna.
1: Right. You're
2: like, I can't take this anymore, Krishna. I need help.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's did you ever have like you know? Even just like a little check in, you know, uh, even if it's dormant, you know, were there moments where you might speak to, you know, Krishna and say, hey, remember me or something like that?
2: Um, Yeah, there were, there were, there were some prayers, there were some prayers there, there was, uh, and uh, my parents, you know, if you have good parents, you have, you have some hope. (laughs) And I have good parents. So they would, you know. They were my reminder of Krishna. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice. It was kind of like whenever I'd go visit them, no matter how deep into my, you know, addictions I was or whatever I was into, I I would see the deities at their house and be mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. These like yeah. nice memories would come back, and right, right. and if a, if a friend reached out on Facebook, I'd be like oh man, I remember the memories I had at the temple with that person, and and they were all good. They were those were all the happy things that I remembered. Yeah,
1: great, great. Yeah, that's really insightful. You know, to to hear the different part of that journey. So, all right, tell us a little bit about you know what might have eventually driven you to start thinking, okay, I, I got to move back, or I got to, I want to come back to Krishna consciousness. What, how did that develop? Was it based on your current career, reaching its length based on your age? Or were, were there experiences that were, you know, kind of the springboard for that?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I straight up found out, figured out pretty quick that I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Once I, uh, once I started drinking, I was like off to the races and I figured that out or I, I um that type of alcohol, like I, there, there are two types I feel in and, and that one you start drinking and you can't stop from the beginning, from the beginning of your drinking career. And then there's the one who gradually builds up to being that, that kind of drinker. Okay. Mine was pretty immediate.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I didn't know. At the beginning, I was an alcoholic, but I was from the very beginning. It wasn't wow. a buildup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so that continued. And um, I got into other, uh, you know, I alcohol is the gateway drug. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> it's really like everything goes along after that. You know, you do dumb, you make bad decisions. Right. Um, drinking. So that threw a wrench into everything. I was trying to balance that but then, and in the beginning it was, I could balance it, but not for long. You know, I was like, oh, four hours of sleep after going out last night, I'm fine. I'll go do this photo shoot. But right. it quickly deteriorated that way. And mm-hmm. I was, I was not able to keep it up. Um, I would, I would later, I was start blowing off casting calls in my agency. And this is by then I was in Chicago, actually. Mm-hmm. My agency would be like, you didn't show up. And I'm like, Oh, boy. yep. I just I, uh, I didn't want to stop doing what I was doing. Yeah. And so I started really shooting myself in the foot. Mm. And almost and, and not realizing that I wasn't in control of it. I kept thinking, you know, oh, I made the decision to to keep having fun with my friends and drinking and no, it was once I took that first one I wasn't in control anymore of yeah. that. Yeah. Um and so things started going downhill that way. Surprisingly, I was able to keep my career going. I'm pretty amazed about that. I did get dropped by a modeling agency and then I because of that and then I signed with another one. And um and so that was like, you know, fast forward maybe about 10 years between so Miami, New York for a little bit, Uh, Miami, New York, Chicago, Chicago is where I kind of spent the most time.
1: Right. So what are your responsibilities to an agency that they would drop you?
2: So yeah, so um, they gave me a couple of, you know, they give me three strikes and you're out kind of thing. Like yeah. I got a couple of those and made excuse, you, you lie. And you make excuses of why you couldn't go, oh, I'm not feeling well, you know, whatever, whatever it is, or my dog this, my car that. <laughs> those are clear signs of somebody who probably has a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they were just like, you know what? They, and they weren't nice about it either. They were like, oh, I'm so sorry, sweetie, we have to let you go. You're just not giving out. I got an earful, which, you know, looking back was probably pretty fair.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so, I'm really glad that happened.
1: Yeah. How did you um how did you process that getting dropped? You know, what did it mean for you? And you know,
2: I think that was the beginning of when I started thinking. Maybe something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I would have been a little smarter and realized it before that. But that was that was a good a good message for me. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 got the ball rolling. It didn't. Yeah. I didn't quit then. Uh, but it got the ball rolling for me to be like, well, if I would have just you know done things right, I'm like why couldn't I just do things right? And I would have still been with them. So it was good. It was good for me.
1: To I lose want to something. say, first of all, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and, <laughs> and sharing so honestly, I, I really appreciate it. Um, so what, the, what was the next, the next, um, milestone in your, um, <laughs> I don't know, recovery or whatever oh, recovery. you want to call it. You it know? Might,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, there was, there was someone, I saw somebody, uh, out, I made a friend, you know, when you, when you're drinking and you're going out to these places and you know, everybody because you've been living there for a while and you know, the bouncers and the owners. And so you end up hanging out with the same people that are doing the same things as you are. Cause you naturally gravitate towards each other. Right. And, and so I made this one friend. And he, and I would get in trouble with him all the time, like, you know, alcohol and other things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then uh, I would go through my, uh, and then I started trying to here and there, you know, I'm going to not drink for a week or, and then I started realizing how much willpower I did not have and how much control I did not have over Mm. alcohol. Yeah. And then one day I ran into this person, I would say maybe a year later where I was out again, and he's a nightlight photographer. So he takes pictures for these clubs and they get to post how how much people are having fun, fun out while they're out. And he was like, he, you know, he was like, Hey, just, you know, I'm sober. And I was like, what? because the last time I saw What's you, that? Like, yeah, exactly. People do that. <laughs> and, uh, and that planted the seed. And, uh, uh, so I was like, Oh, well, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of cool. And then a couple weeks later, I think I went through, I just, I went through like another binge phase at some point. It was just getting so miserable. I mean, it had been miserable for a while, but it was really starting to get to the bottom right and i think what happened and i'll never know because i didn't go to a hospital or anything but i think i detoxed on my own for like three days and it was kind of like being in hell
1: (laughs) wow and after but you did that on on your own purposely
2: on my own i mean I, i i couldn't really move so it was purposefully but it was also I didn't really have a choice I was just like I can't I can't function and it was for three days that I was in and out of sleep and just like Mm. sweating excessively and looking back I was afterwards I was like that had to have been a detox wow it was that was probably pretty dangerous to do by myself
0: yeah and
2: I I remembered that this friend of mine Tyler he was sober and I, I I texted him and I'm like Tyler I think I just detoxed Um, on my own and it was really really horrible and he's like you know what you know i go to these meetings right i think you should uh maybe come check one out with me sometime you might like it Mm -hmm. and that was the that was kind of when the clouds started parting a little bit and and there was like a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel i had no idea before that that there were um Uh, recovery meetings Mm -hmm. I had no idea because that's something I never had to deal with I mean growing up as a devotee just didn't even drink like drinking didn't even cross my mind so I'm like really that they have (laughs) I was so naive to that right and um so so
1: as we grow up and go through life
2: (laughs) oh my god and looking back you're like why didn't I know that when I was you know when I really needed it or when I was younger, but everything happens the way it does for a reason. Yeah.
1: So I'm sure that was Definitely. a really um, helpful association to be in, in a group like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Association is everything again.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, And especially when it's with people who are going through the, the same uh, struggles or who can relate to what you're, what you're dealing with that goes along
2: yeah yeah when you're in a in a room full of people that are trying to be better that is pretty amazing yeah Um, because up till then I was around people that were trying to be their worst basically
0: right
2: Right. and and you know got swept up in that but this was a whole new eye-opening experience for me and it was so, like, I would get goosebumps in in those meetings. Like, wow, it's like inspired, and also hearing all these stories that were just way worse <laughs> than mine. Like, <laughs> in and out of the hospital, twenty You're times. So bad so, about
1: yourself after that.
2: <laughs> so of, yeah, but 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 all the same suffering there. Like everybody's suffering. Right. It didn't right. matter, you know, what experience you had. Everyone was just trying to get out of it. Trying to get out of that suffering.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful that uh, in recovery groups, you're really hanging out with people who are, in a way, the the highest people you'd want to hang out with because they're really trying to become better and they're doing (laughs) something very tangible about it. And uh, yeah, just that uh, the synergy that comes from hanging out with others who are doing the same thing is very powerful
2: yeah and and you know um, a lot of of the books that we would read from is god is god-centered or higher power
0: right. so
2: i would just be like oh krishna mm-hmm.
0: totally. <laughs> and
2: it, and they tell you you know it's even if you're not super spiritual whoever you feel like your higher power is you know could be to yeah. make it whoever you want but it's something higher than you are because very clearly you are not in control <laughs> I was like, wow, that is true. You know, yeah. we can't control this.
1: Do you think, um, as a society, we should have our own recovery groups or are they just as fine as they are mentioning mm-hmm. God as a higher power? Or do you think there is a benefit to doing something like that with all devotees who are going through the same thing and who really see that higher power as Krishna?
2: I am so glad that you asked me that. Um, I don't know if it has to be just devotees. Um, There is something nice about maybe talking to somebody who doesn't know you. You know, you feel a little more free to really dive down about experiences that might be really uncomfortable. Like you wouldn't necessarily want your therapist to be your next door neighbor, your Hare Krishna next door neighbor. But I do think that, a lot more devotees than we realize struggle with this kind of stuff of
0: course.
2: and yeah and I think um I th- I feel like because it's you know it's it's against one of the four regulated principles they may not feel so comfortable talking about it because there is a certain amount of judgment they're like oh well you know maybe they're not as good of a devotee as, as we thought, or, or they might feel like, Oh, I'm not as uh, a good as a, of a devotee as people think I am, but I can't tell people this. And, um, I think we need to get over that because yeah. it, this
1: that's a stuff, problem. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a problem. And the, and this, this stuff affects it, uh, anybody that you can be the most religious person you could be the most atheistic person. You could be poor, you'd be rich. Like this addictive person, personality, it's um scientists still don't know exactly how it comes about. We know that it it seems like it's a bit genetic, but like we all have alcoholics in our family. <laughs>
1: like that's
2: right. not a, you know and
1: most devotees joined because they were hippies.
2: <laughs> yeah. And who knows what's in our, our you know, you know, our aunt what our ancestors dealt with. Like <laughs> right. and we just some of us find out that we have this this issue that we can't really deal with that well, and it's not our fault. Right, but it's something that we should be people should feel comfortable asking for help about, yeah. and knowing that it's not their fault
1: yeah no I, yeah. I totally agree, you know, some people have just an addictive nature um i I feel like I'm like that, and uh but i really uh to me it's it's a big deal that um I hope as you know the next generations of devotees come about and we keep making Krishna consciousness and it's gone better um, throughout the years that, yeah, we can break down this. I think it's just unintentional that somehow we've gotten into a place where yeah. it's just so hard to be honest about where we're at. And uh, yeah. yeah, I bet if we started a 12 step program here in Alachua, there would be so many devotees coming out of the woodworks and who would love to be able to just, connect sure. and open honestly yes this is where i'm at i'm so glad i know you're right there as well well they, that's so maybe that's the service i'm growth. supposed
2: to do i'm really glad that you said that because you know i would be like hey i'm going to this meeting and this time if, if any devotees want to join me
1: you know let's yeah. let's go yeah. let's look it it's been on my mind for a while and i there's a lot of organization that needs to be put into it you know how do we maintain like you were saying, confidentiality and all these things, but I would love to see this happen in our community for all the different 12 steps. You know, you got alcoholics, narcotics, sexaholics. There's so many issues that we know there's, there's a lot of us dealing with. So thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, sharing your experience and opening up this topic. And I hope our, our listeners will, uh, um, relate. And, uh, maybe that's something that we can start working on uh, eventually for our, our community. You know, this is the largest Hare Krishna community in North America. We have so many areas that we can just be pioneers in. And yeah. uh, I think this one would be a great one too.
2: Yeah. And, and who, who knows it could, uh, it saves lives and it saves sanity and, you know, it, uh, it saved my life. Yeah. Um, well, Krishna consciousness saved my life, but this brought me back to it. So wow. yeah.
1: awesome. Yeah. So maybe tell us a little bit about the return and, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, what was it like to, um, come back to this community, uh, to maybe tell us a little bit more about how that happened that you came back. Um, also I met your husband, Doug, who's, absolutely lovely and uh you know you met you met him while you were out uh, on your career so tell us a little bit about um yeah let's talk about Doug a little bit and by the way I'm I'm trying to get him on the show I think he would have a wonderful story to share with us as well um but yeah you two are married um and six um,
2: years just passed yeah
1: six years that's great congratulations thank you (laughs) um tell me a little bit about how you met And eventually how you decided to move back to Alachua.
2: Sure. Um, So in uh, in Chicago, um, after I got uh, sober um, and stayed sober, there was there was I had a week where I tried to stay sober and then went out and was like, I can handle this and relapsed. And then after that, I stayed sober. OK, and and that's been it's been nine years just passed. So wow. I've been so busy for nine years.
1: That is amazing.
2: Literally one day at a time. That's it. And it will be that like that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a really good association now. So that helps. Um, so I met Doug. Do you, do
1: you continue those, those meetings with, with the recovery group? Or is that something uh, that you don't need to do anymore?
2: No, that's, uh, I, would, I would say that's something that should always be done. Um, I haven't, I've, I've been kind of lax about it since COVID and everything. Right. I'm sure though, that there are zoom uh, meetings that you can do, yeah. which is actually really cool. I haven't done any, but I'm guessing you don't have to have your face there. You right. know what I mean? Like, I bet you could really anonymous. If anyone hears this and is, you know, and is curious about it, I'm sure you can find a zoom meeting online that you can listen in on without showing showing your face or your, you know, people don't have to know it's you. Yeah, so that's,
1: that's great. That's,
2: yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I, I will start going back, um, probably pretty soon now that things
1: are clearing up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. So you were in Chicago.
2: So I was in Chicago. Um, by then I had a little boutique, uh, um, in the Ukrainian village area. And I had been, I think I was sober for about a year or a little more than a year. And I was like, man, it is really hard to meet people if you don't want to meet them at bars or clubs or, you know, you're in a big city, but it can feel super lonely. And it's like, where do you, you know, where do you meet someone nice? Right. It's just, it's just hard in general. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't around, um, there are, you know there's a nice temple there but not really many people my age or a little bit older um so i i actually went on match.com
0: <laughs> <There you laughs> like <go. laughs>
2: yeah i was like people pay for this so there might be someone who's a little more serious on here yeah. and uh, let's just see what happens so i was busy with my with my um boutique uh and uh this is
1: clothing like a, your own clothing line or what was yeah so, I, about?
2: yeah so I was the one that was always in the store I had my mom uh shopping for it while she was overseas so we get really cool stuff in from like Nepal and Thailand and like okay. colorful you know scarves and hats and rugs and kind of a little bit of everything whatever we thought was interesting we're like let's put it in there <laughs>
1: nice
2: yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, but it did get lonely because I was the only one in there all the time. And I'm like, all right. um, I had friends that would stop in every now and then. But uh, so, yeah, so I signed up on Match and I'm like, let's see what happens. A lot of weirdos out there. <laughs> there <are> so <laughs> so many,
1: I've never so many used strangers. it. All right. Fill me in. <laughs> um How do you set up the criteria is it one of those swipe left swipe right I know nothing no about.
2: no 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 tinder no not, tinder not here that. okay that's that's more of a I feel like that's more of a a hookup thing because you can see who's in your area like
0: I see okay
2: radius which is really creepy honestly tinder and and yeah and, Yes, no. And come on, that's just based on looks. Let's be honest, the swipe, swipe, right,
1: right, right. Okay, so match.com you're look, there's like a, pro, a profile and
2: yeah, you fill out questions. And what it does is it tries to match you with other people. So I think I, uh, I was a vegetarian then. Mm-hmm. and vegan now I don't eat meat now but as a vegetarian <laughs> no, I'm that,
0: that <laughs> now i'm back weird. to <laughs> eating <laughs> meat
2: <laughs> no i had to make that clear because that sounded weird as a vegetarian it's still a vegetarian then and so it will it will try to find other people who are vegetarian or i don't drink right. so it try to match me with other people so you fill out this questionnaire I and see. i think it's actually kind of brilliant because yeah. you want to meet like-minded people like-minded people is, mu- is what's probably gonna last a lot longer right. than, oh man, I have to, you know, I, I had been there with the boyfriends who ate meat and it's a disaster. <laughs> it didn't go well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so match and uh, a lot of terrible responses, uh, which I've just ignored. And then,
1: so I even got- though there was the criteria, what made them bad responses if they, they still met the criteria, I guess, right?
2: well we got we yeah we would probably get matched and um my personal criteria was if you cannot write english properly or use proper grammar i don't want to talk to you <laughs> because you know you know uh hey what up no grammar right. everything's <laughs> spelled wrong right. no, no capitalization and where's that gonna go let's be honest what a what, what you know right, right. <laughs> what up girl <laughs> no. no but then uh, then here we have my lovely future husband who's working at the university of chicago uh in astrophysics he has his phd in astrophysics so i'm like okay well he's definitely got brains probably a little nerdy that's cool i can deal with that right <laughs> um, but he can he can write a really type out of he's a good writer And I was like, okay, well, um, well, I'll meet up with him. And 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 I met up with him in a a coffee, little coffee place that was in a grocery store near to near the store. And. um, Yeah, and it was pretty cool. It worked out. It did. It took I actually I was very from all the previous stuff that I'd been through, I was very hesitant with him. Mm-hmm. But he kept me company in the boutique and he would, since he was a, a research scientist, he could, he could um, do a lot of his work nearby at a coffee shop or sometimes even in the boutique.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I, I actually really got to know him as a friend before it progressed um, to more than that. And I think that was accidentally really good. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't thinking of it that way, but it it, it happened that way. And I was like, man. He has a lot of like he he has a lot of devotional qualities.
1: Yeah, you know, a lot. And he's now working with the BI, and I'm gonna leave it at that
2: because that's now- another
1: episode. Yes. But <laughs>
2: yes, yes, he can no, tell great. you all the secrets of the BI. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but thanks for sharing how you guys met. That's that's really cool. So eventually, you um, tell us a little bit more about whether it's the return to Alatra or the return to Krishna consciousness. Um, but, um, how did that all manifest?
2: Um, so Doug and I were in Los Angeles and then, uh, we, we were in Chicago together for a while. And then lost, we went to Los Angeles for two years and I was doing, um, acting stuff, acting work over there. Uh, less modeling by then, just, just by choice, because there's, kind of a little, you know, empty, of course, always empty, but, um, I was just getting a little bored with that and acting mm. was much more interesting and challenging and hard. And I was like, Ooh, that's kind of fun. You know, something that you actually have to learn to do, not just look a certain way. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that and, uh, and then kind of COVID happened and we were like, first of all Doug's not he's not a city person he's not a city person he likes nature
0: mm-hmm. and
2: by then I was getting a little tired of the cities because I'd been in them for quite a while and they they you know I still uh, I love this I love New York I would always love to go there but um living maybe not so much anymore you know now right. that I'm a little older right um and COVID hit and we had been talking about Alachua by then and that was kind of our sign to move back okay. and my parents were just building a house and they were like come stay with us you mm-hmm. know even if you or come f- stay with us and see if you like it here and so that was kind of the okay well you know there were a couple of silver linings with with covid for us and that was one of them um, the other one was that we started listening to jayidwaita Maharaj uh, you know, all of a sudden zoom blew up because nobody could see each other in person,
0: Right. but
2: we were able to get devotee association through zoom from uh, being on lockdown in Los Angeles mm-hmm. three times a week, nice. four times a week. So that was, that was a game changer too. Uh, was, and that, and was
1: that kind of your, comeback i i feel like your comeback to krishna consciousness started a little bit before that perhaps. oh
2: yeah no? it's, it started before that um uh definitely um when i quit drinking i started having a lot of realizations looking okay. back okay. um, so
1: kind of came along with that
2: yeah i came oh have a clear mind i mean my right. mind wasn't clear for quite a while before that you just mm-hmm. you can't you, you can't think about things in a you know in a in a clear way.
1: (laughs) So tell tell us a little bit about what were those realizations. You know, what were the first steps to kind of rekindling your your spirituality?
2: Okay. Well, first one was, you know, because I had gone out there and experienced material life and and so I I went, wow, those uh those Hare Krishna's were pretty right. They're, they were kind of all that stuff that I learned. It makes so much more sense now. Right. Now that Maybe I've experienced it. So
1: many times over and over growing up.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, then I experienced them. And, you know, we hear that there are different levels of intelligence. And mine is on the lower end where apparently I have to experience stuff to, for it to make sense to me. And I did experience it. And I was, I'm really grateful that I experienced it. Because that, I mean, I looked at Krishna consciousness in a whole new light after that. Um, yeah, I was, so that uh, was.
1: That was, yeah. So you could understand kind of your lessons from childhood, how they made so much more sense coming at it from experience. Um, what else might have happened between that and listening to Jayadwaita Swami three times a week? Well, what, what was the span? Would you say um, from when? You, years? Or well, from when you became sober mm-hmm. until COVID, for example. How many? How long was that?
2: Uh, sober to COVID was. I have, was my, I have my sobriety day on my arm. <laughs> so oh, like, nice.
1: 12. Well, you said it was nine years. So eight years eight yeah. years right mm-hmm. okay
2: yeah so it was a slow progression mm-hmm. sure um i think getting into a relationship makes you start thinking more about that as well because you're like you know i got married to this person you know if we have a kid i would I really like for him to him or her to to grow up in around devotees like because so you right. kind of start you know oh like, you know, luckily, Doug was a vegetarian, then we both went vegan together. So that, you know, well, we raise our kid as a vegan or what is, you start thinking about your future, like you can't not think about it that way. Right. And also, I think probably one of the biggest things is telling Doug about Krishna consciousness because he didn't know about it before he met me. He hadn't even heard of them heard of them heard of <laughs> heard of us <laughs> right. before he met me and yeah. yeah and luckily his first introduction real introduction to other devotees was, were my parents and and yeah. you know my father Panch Tukva.
1: they are He's... both probably the number one <laughs> devotees I'd want to meet if it was the first time
2: <laughs> exactly exactly first of so all my mom... and yeah you will gosh. you will go to the spiritual world if you eat my mom's cooking and then my dad is just really good at explaining. Really.
1: They are both so loving <laughs> and they're like torchlights your parents. Yeah. They're, they're very really sweet.
2: You know, when we had bajans in Alachua when I was younger, everyone used to all, all my friends used to come over to hang out with my dad. Like yeah. <laughs> cuz you know, he's so much fun to be around, play around on the harmonium and be like, "Did you hear this tune?" and you know. He was like one of them. So, yeah.
1: I'll always remember I was at the atlanta temple because i was based there with my job and um him and siki mahiti they came in the temple room and there's something about devotees they can say the most simple funny thing or a simple joke and i will just die laughing to tears and I had that experience with your dad and Siki oh, no. I can't remember what it was but it was so, it was so simple but it was oh, so no. pure that I, would, I just had the best laugh you know and I, that's something oh, no. experience He's... with the you know true <laughs> devotees they can man they can just bring out laughter out of something so simple it doesn't have to be some raunchy joke and right just have yeah. so much fun with it
2: yeah, he's got a lot of dad jokes, but I hope he doesn't show those with other people. It was probably home, a dad I'm joke. It's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> but it does, I mean, yeah, it does say something like we've been, uh, Doug and I have been staying, uh, we're at my parents right now. We've been staying here for a year. It wasn't planned that way. We didn't think we'd be staying with them for that long. But I mean, they're so great that it's easy to live with them. You know, they're happy to have us here and we're happy to be around them. And it's a noisy household and we have a lot of fun. And Doug is just like, who are these crazy people? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, Krishna consciousness is fun. Devotees are fun.
1: Yeah, no, and it's nice that, um, you know, I I can understand how that would have come out for you even more as you met Doug and he's not a devotee. And obviously you're going to share with him this, super massive part of your life
2: and he's asking me questions where i'm like i need to start reading again (laughs) (laughs) you know i want to give him the right answers and and so so actually sometimes we we call my dad up and put him on speaker and be like what does the Bhagavad Gita say about blah 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 again and you know so it was a slow introduction and 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 a rekindling for me which was really nice and and yeah well Krishna consciousness makes the most sense to me
1: so you know I'm going
2: to share it with Doug who's asking me all these questions
1: yeah that's great yeah
2: um
1: what would you say is one of the most prominent realizations for you in as far as Krishna consciousness when you look at the journey you've been through with you know traveling and going through this career and kind of coming back to Krishna consciousness what's one of the most potent realizations that you've had Many, but um, mm-hmm.
2: many. Uh, I would say one of the <laughs> one of the uh, most important ones is it, and this only I only th- really understood this about a year ago. And we were still in, yeah, about a year and a half ago, we were still in Los Angeles right before we moved to Alachua. And um, it was during um, a class which I went to Marge, a Zoom class. And uh, something uh, he, I, I can't, I don't want to quote Maraj because I don't know his exact words, but it was something along the lines of how devotees are their own people. We don't all have to, like, I think growing up, I always thought to be a pure devotee, I ha- it, it looks like this. And it was a very clear picture of what this pure devotee looked like. And yeah. just always very humble and chanting all the time and dressed a certain way and wearing tilak 24-7, probably in Never my head. Swears. Never swears. Um yeah, just perfect. Right. You know, uh in in my Krishna consciously perfect.
0: Yeah.
2: And and yeah, so when Maharaj was giving this class, he was, you know, he was saying how we're all different. You know we each have our different talents that we can use in Krishna's service um, and it just kind of struck me that I'm like wow I can actually be a good devotee and not look like that that figure that I had in my head yeah and it took me 35 years to <laughs> realize that and I was like my mind is blown you know when you get those really simple realizations but they just like blow your mind and you don't look at it the same again that was Uh, one of those moments
1: yeah that is such an important realization I gotta admit I've kind of went through a similar path with that where I just like you said I had this image of the perfect devotee and it also took me a really long time to understand that and one way that I've understood it is just spending time with senior devotees and seeing that when you get to know them a little bit more personally outside of the temple room, you realize that they're they're human as well, you know, oh, yeah. and, and they still are. In most cases, they can be pure devotees, but it's just yeah. like you said, it doesn't have to. Look a certain way, and it's just by getting to know them that you can see their devotion, and that can be manifest and expressed in so many ways. you know I mean, for me, Shankar Prabhu, who just passed away, was yeah. such a great example of that, you know I mean he was such a character, you know, but everyone everyone will will say that he was. He was a very, very advanced devotee. You know. Yeah,
2: I've been hearing that. I unfortunately did not have his association, but all I've been hearing a lot of stories, pretty yeah. amazing stories about between him and Srila Prabhupada. and I'm like, wow, what a lucky person. Yeah.
1: No, that's a great realization. Thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um.
2: I have more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, tell me more. I just want to hear, you know, kind of this along the same theme of what are some looking back on your life and where you're at now. Tell us about what your Krishna consciousness looks like today, now that you're back in Alachua. And, you know, how do you practice?
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, Well. I try to with that in mind, with that, you know, um, Krishna consciousness looks different to me now than it did uh, when I was younger. I think at I think at some point we actually so our parents, you know, they 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 joined the Hare Krishna movement. They made the decision to join the Hare Krishna movement. And I think we do that as well at some point. And I think I, you know, within the last few years, I was like, you know what, I'm going to join the Hare Krishna movement, even though I've grown up in it. It's like, it's an actual decision that you make. Like, I, I want to be more spiritual. I want to start chanting rounds. I want to, you know, get good association. I, you know, I want, and, and I think a lot of that comes from getting older, being like, you know what? I could, I really could die at any moment. That's another thing that you hear all the time growing up right. and you don't really think about it until you start seeing people pass away. Um, you know, COVID was a big uh, catalyst for a lot of people to start thinking about that, about their mortality. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't really have much time to waste. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, Krishna willing that I'll go at a, a have a natural death at some point, but, I don't know that right. and um, I don't want to waste time. And I don't want to waste time with bad association. Like I don't want to be criticizing devotees, be around people who are criticizing devotees.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I want to feel uplifted and I want to uplift other people. So it's, it's kind of like figuring out what I really want to do with my time now. And um, so that involves, you know, chanting. I don't chant 16 rounds every day, but chanting trying yeah. to chant regularly.
1: Right.
2: And, um, and these Zoom classes, I still attend Zoom classes, which I do about four times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, it's okay to be a little picky about uh, who you spend your time with. We're in a huge sure. community. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can be like, oh, these are wonderful devotees at our age. I wanna hang out with them because they make me excited about Krishna consciousness. And that's what I want to do, you know. We just uh, we just had Mitra Prabhu, Mitra Sane
0: mm-hmm. Prabu,
2: um, who's moving here from North Carolina, and oh, he is just, he? Nice. yeah, yeah, the great the addition, musician,
0: right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, the musician Bahar is his wife. Um, nice. Yeah, they're actually they're uh, they're they're in Jacksonville right now, but they okay. they basically moved. They're yeah. they're just settling and finding their place and stuff. And we just had him for a few days and and I was just like, man, I am so inspired.
0: Yeah.
2: Like he's, he's so inspired that I started getting really inspired and it's just, <laughs> you know, it's that I love being around that. That's, yeah. that's happy. That's happiness. Krishna consciousness is happiness. Yeah. And, and we can have that with the right association. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the, you know, I've been getting all kinds of realizations like that recently. And also, Actually, something very similar that I learned, you know, where we, are, we are our devotees trying to better ourselves. And that's I was introduced to that in those recovery rooms. Those right. are people trying to better themselves.
0: Right.
2: And a, a saying that they have that I think is exactly the same for being, you know, a good, decent person, a good, decent devotee is do the next right thing. So it's like you think about something every day, you know, you have these little things every day that that you can deal with as a as a Hare Krishna devotee. And it's like, whatever it is, do the right thing. Do do what a good devotee would do. Yeah. So it applies to those little things in our everyday life as well. Not just 16 realms and and you know, and just that that idea that we had in our head of exactly. the pure
1: I love how you said chant regularly. It's so much more accessible than a massive 16 rounds where you can so easily fall into the mechanical and you know, just, just right. chanting a number. That rather number. Than,
0: like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's so
1: intimidating. And then that's all you think about is like I gotta get yeah. through this number. So I really like how you worded that, you know, chanting regularly. That's the principle. And how you're exemplifying the quality of devotee association and finding the right association and how so much important, that so can important, be the best, best life experience, just hanging, hanging out with the right devotees.
2: Yeah, that's, it will change your life. It yeah. really will. You know, it changes everything that goes along with it, it changes the way you look at your rounds, the way uh, you know, the way you want to start going to the temple again, you know, the, just all that, that's, that's all through association. Yeah. And, and in the same way with that, that can all be taken away from you, all that inspiration right. with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, a great. There's a lot to look forward to in Krishna consciousness. It's yeah. pretty exciting. Yeah.
1: What about the Alachua community now that you're back? What are some of your observations having come back? And, um, you know, how can we make that better as well? I mean, it's an amazing community. We have... <laughs> nothing to complain, but I'm always curious, you know, how can we make it even better? You know, like starting a particular project or whatever. Yeah.
2: Well, what, what you mentioned before, maybe, you know, with, uh, mental health issues, that'd be great. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of inside stuff that we can do just for our community, but I think right. uh, what the things that are really needed and really important um is sharing all this one. Like I, I was talking to one of the people that has to do with the festival, the holy names coming up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is amazing. I love that. The, the youth, the second generation, we're not exactly youth anymore. The second generation are, you know, are, are putting this on and it's so inspiring and everything. We need to share that with people who are, who aren't devotees. Like, you yeah. know, that's, that's for us. That is for us. But We have
1: to start. I agree. That's such a good point. You know, every time the festival of the holy name comes around, I'm always thinking, who can I bring? I gotta share this with someone. So yeah, you're you're saying some kind of platform to help promote it outside of the community?
2: Well, that you mean? well, I asked, I, you know, I asked him, um, you know, what, what about putting flyers around UF? Like there are so many young people who are mm-hmm. open-minded and just, and right now is a really good time where people are extremely open-minded and into compassion and into yeah. veganism more than ever and vegetarianism and, and be kind to each other. Um, but, you know, I... The the feeling that I got was that the festival of the holy names is really just for the devotees, and that's fine. You know, there we have things just for devotees, but we have to create things that are for other people as well. And I think that's happening with the Krishna house,
0: right?
2: Um, which I need to start helping out over there because I think it's so. In my head, I'm like, imagine if devotees didn't go out, and and my dad didn't run into them.
1: Right.
2: I wouldn't be here.
1: Oh, sorry. No problem. You want to take it?
2: <laughs> no, no. It's my dad, and he's probably in the other room.
1: So <laughs> put him on. Put him on.
2: <laughs> put him on. Put him on speaker. <laughs>
1: no, we're just talking yeah. about you, Prabhu. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're saying all the nice things. Um, but yeah, there's there's Christian house, and there there's you know, um, uh, uh, distributing prasada at UF. And I I think I heard Santa Fe too. I'm not sure, but
1: yeah, they do Krishna lunch at Santa Fe.
2: That stuff is important and it sticks with people. And that's how you make devotees. We're getting older. What happens when, you know, it's just our kid like, we can't let this up. We've got our uh, Prabhupada disciples kind of going one by one. Now, like we have to start thinking about the future. And also if we, enjoy this Krishna consciousness so much why wouldn't we want to share it with other people right it just it doesn't you know you have to share it
1: I love where your heart is at and uh, yeah I'm, I'm all about it I hope we can get to that next step I think for a long time we've been main trying to maintain what was established by the first generation devotees and then it was putting out fires and you know trying to mend you know mistakes and that kind of thing learning curve And, and um and i think we are doing a pretty good job in this community with um yeah our our own nurturing with different festivals and all that but i agree um i think it would be great to find some really innovative ways to to start sharing what what we have and you know, Prabhupada's mission.
2: One more thought on that too. I think it's really important for us to do it. Young people will be attracted to the energy of other young people. Yeah. You know, it's not so, and that's, that's what our parents experienced. They joined when they were what, 18, 20. And it it was because other devotees were 18, 20 and they're like, oh yeah. And just the energy we can't, you know, we have wonderful book distributors and, and preachers right now that are a little older. And that's great. They're, they're the ones that are really upholding what Srila Prabhupada wanted right now. But if we got a, a group of young people doing this, I can only imagine that non non-devo- young non-devotees out there would be like, whoa, what are these guys doing? That looks like fun.
1: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, and there's so many... Um, so many avenues to do that it's it's really unlimited we just have to tap in and be ready to do it yeah yeah if you were to meet someone who might be interested what would your what would your pitch be
2: what would my pitch be? Oh man, you yeah, got to try it based on your life
1: experience. <laughs> <What was it?
2: laughs> uh, my obviously default Prashadam. You got <laughs> to music and the food. Oh, you got to try it. Yeah. We've got, we've got cows and we've got an eco village. I think what mother Kuti is doing is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, that right now, that's such a big thing. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I think it's just more how do we let more people know about these things right you know it's there we just have to find a way to bring people to it so um but yeah i would say you know sunday free food on sundays and that's pretty good um it's so funny (laughs) Uh, Mitra Prabhu was telling us a story about a book distributed. I think it was Adi Karta Prabhu. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was, he was uh, the the way that he would approach people with a book is say, Hey, you look pretty intelligent. Why don't you check this book out?
1: <laughs>
2: nice. <laughs> and I was like, huh, I wonder if I <laughs> just like, my mind started going like,
1: Simple Hey, as that. you look
2: pretty intelligent. You got to try this food. <laughs> right. But you know, just right. kind of, I don't know if I could get he has a British accent, he's really charming, so that's his thing, but <laughs> yeah, you know, just kind of lighthearted and happy. people are attracted to the fact that devotees are so bright and happy, yeah that's, that's
0: true
2: that's yeah, what it is. Really. My dad says he's like, well, what are they so happy about? I gotta find out, so
1: yeah, I Forget who it was, but not too long ago, I was hearing how important it is to arrange our life in a way that we can practice Krishna consciousness happily. You know, the chant oh, that's what it was, it was chant and be happy. I think it was maybe Chaitanya Charan How chant and be happy can mean two things it means chant and you'll become happy,
0: mm-hmm. or
1: chant and do what you gotta do to be happy. Be
2: happy. <laughs> and, and that definitely goes actually, a
1: long way to help. Yeah, you
2: can others. actually have both of those. Right. You can chant be happy, and you can chant and also do everything else to be happy in Krishna right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. pretty great. I like that.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good approach to uh, yeah how mental health is super important. You know, we gotta yeah ourselves. So. Yeah. Shara, thank you so much. This was really. <laughs> a great discussion. And I'm so happy that you accepted to come on the show and um, get insights into not only your career, but your personal journey. Thank you so much for sharing such details about your experience. Um, I think it really goes a long way. And it's you're, you're setting a really beautiful example of what I think we should all be able to do in sharing our personal journeys and inspire, inspire each other by just being honest and, um, staying motivated in our, in our Krishna consciousness. Are there any parting words you'd like to share with, uh, our listeners?
2: Oh, it's just, it's always a work in progress and, uh, and one day at a time.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> I <Yeah>. like that.
2: <laughs> and if anybody wants to talk to me about anything, they can feel free to reach out to me.
1: Okay, great. We'll put, a. Uh, I guess you're on Facebook. I'm sure.
2: Yeah, I'm on Facebook, and I can reach out to you. Or
1: Sounds yeah, that's good. All right, Charanagati, thank you so much.
2: All right. Thank you, Nama. Thank you for asking me to be here. It's a it's a big honor.
1: <laughs> Our pleasure. Hi, Ball.
2: Hi, Ball.